This is the Gambling Gauchos. I'm telling y'all right now, the country's gonna find out. Everything runs through Lubbock. Everything runs through Lubbock. Somebody turn on some damn music! Listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech. Betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be the day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro. The Money Line Matadors, the Casino Cowboys, the Parlay Picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. With the Gambling Gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. Gambling Gauchos, I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. A fine Sunday evening heading into the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Over, under, on laptops, uh, iPads, whatever it is, surfaces, broken one and a half. You got a public reprimand. Did you see that from the NFL and from Microsoft? No. The whole NFL got a memo. Don't destroy the don't destroy the tablets. A joint right there you can loosen and then move. It's fine. All right. <laughs> or you just spin the mic. Did you get it? Yeah, so they yeah, sent a memo. They sent <laughs> I said it's fine. <laughs> they sent a memo out. Oh man. Texas they got beat by Kansas State. Let's just get right into it. They, you know, they said Kirk Cousins couldn't win in primetime. It hit, oh, it was 9 a.m. primetime? It was, what, 6 o'clock in London or something? <laughs> 6 p.m.? That counts. Does it was it? the only game on. It's primetime. Okay. I did not watch that this morning. Yeah, let's um, let's talk about Tech K-State. Okay. Um, I'm going to be... I'm going to give you the broad strokes because I think there's a lot of particular things that we can say about the game. But broad strokes, I am really excited about this program, but I'm not very high on this team. Do I need to clarify that or does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I I think that this team can go to a bowl game. I, I think this team is going to play worse teams after the bye <laughs> but i think that um the microphone doesn't seem fine man do you want to do you want to fix it no let me to show you how to it's fine if you just grab the mic like this you can spin it and you just spin it up boom does that work better yeah that's good. okay all right <laughs> if you're not like watching us somewhere this you... is great podcast well i just we could have done that before, but you didn't uh, even touch the mic until we started, and then now it's awkward, but it's not. We're on to Cincinnati. All right. Uh, on to Stillwater. So Kansas State, 
I think is a really, really good team and a bad matchup for Texas Tech. I think NC State was a bad matchup for Texas Tech. Texas, honestly, was a bad matchup for Texas Tech, but Texas Tech beat them. Uh, not in a really sustainable way. And then Oklahoma State's a bad matchup for Texas Tech, so I don't think you're going to look good. But you're going to be 3-3 three and three at the bye, and there's going to be worse teams after the bye. So I'm not like super high on 8-4 and four or a real strong finish or anything with this team, how it's set up. But how they responded against Kansas State and how they played in that second quarter to potentially take the lead coming out of the second half and how they fought in the third quarter, this defense 95% of the time has been really, really good. Now, 5% of the time they've either blown calls or, or blown coverages and given up touchdowns and whatever else, but... 95% of the time, this defense has been really good. So program trajectory, all in. Team trajectory, I think you're going to lose this weekend and struggle to be in a bowl just with this current roster. What was the spread on Saturday? Yeah, eight and a half. And you lost by nine. Okay. And we're supposed to take away some... No, no, I... Yeah. I, I know not you, right. but fans oh, on for sure. Twitter freaking out about literally the most likely outcome coming to fruition is weird to me. After a 13-0 hole that you gifted, gifted K-State. Right. And, you know, frankly... I mean, it should have been 21 to nothing. A bunch of big plays. Like, yeah, you're going to give up something to Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. A pair of 69-yard runs. The, I don't know, it was probably close to that, what, 65-yard run on the opening play of the game. Those are just – it's one thing to miss an assignment, give up 15 yards, they gas you. It's yep. one thing to give up three plays nearly the length of the football field that that was ultimately – like they didn't actually sustain a ton of drives against you. You made them no. punt a lot. They had the, the one drive that ended in the field goal maybe? I was thinking back to this. I would rather lose like you did on Saturday. I think you have more to build off of than the 2014 game versus Arkansas. Where they didn't have an 80-yard touchdown run. Yeah, you just got... They just got 10 on yeah. every single play. And you had no hope. But you actually, for a large share of the snaps defensively, you did a good job stuffing the run against a great run team. Is Kansas State the second best team you're going to play this year? Third best? Top four? Definitely top four. And, and would you say that NC State is in the top four? Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it right now... We have our power rankings. In any kind of order, at NC State, at TCU, at Kansas State, at Stillwater, it's probably your four toughest games. No, those might not wind up being the four best teams, but like I think Texas is still a good team, and you got the fortune of getting them at home. Right. OU, I don't know if they're going to rebound or not. They, they might suck. I don't know. But you play them at home. Baylor looks solid, but you get them at home. So, yeah, in that respect – Going into the bye, I think you're going to have th probably your three hardest games out of the way, unless yeah. TCU can really sustain this and keep beating people by multiple touchdowns. Well, but even if they do, I, I don't – I would rather go against a team like TCU than a team like Kansas State or an atmosphere like NC State. Because those two atmospheres right. are tougher on the road than what TCU's atmosphere is going right. to be. TCU very good. 
and I would like to see Max Duggan, you know, five weeks from now as opposed to what he's been the last two weeks because history tells us that's not Max Duggan. Yeah. Though maybe, and this is no direct shot at my favorite offensive coordinator, but maybe his offensive coordinators just weren't good at TCU under Gary Patterson, who was obviously throttling them, and Max Duggan was never allowed to be, if this is his true form, good Max Duggan. Has Garrett Riley unlocked something? Also, to the fans that are, you know, what I call chicken littles, and look, this is every game. Even if yeah. even if we had a three and eight team going into the OU game and you lost, fans would be like mad that you lost right. as twenty point underdogs or something. This is why I love paying attention to the odds, and I've said this before on the podcast. Coming into the season, your win total is five and a half. So the two most likely outcomes are five wins or six wins. So it's really only notable to me if you have only four wins or seven plus wins. And so I look at our, your two losses, road games against ranked teams, where you lost by within a field goal of the closing line. Right. I don't take away any some extreme takeaway on like, oh, well, now we can conclude X, Y, Z. Like, no, you basically got exactly what the smart people thought was going to happen. I do think, though, that you can take some things away from these couple of games that if you continue playing how you're playing, you're not going to win a lot of games. And if the turnovers continue... Um, if the offensive line doesn't improve, which is it talent, is it scheme? Um, if if there's not a maybe a, a tightening of the defense to where you don't give up those big plays, then yeah, you can lose to Kansas, who's has a proclivity to have big plays, even though they just scored 14 against Iowa State. Certainly can lose to TCU. And I think those two I had as wins before the season. But to your point, if we looked at our records, our schedules that we picked before the season, both of us heading three and three into the bye. So if you win this weekend, you're ahead of schedule for what we both thought this team could be. A lot of people would argue you're ahead of schedule already, that you weren't supposed to beat Texas Right. A lot of people looked at the schedule and thought one and five going into the bye week. We were talking to a very smart football guy today who thought Houston and NC State and Texas and Kansas State and Oklahoma State would all beat you. I can pull the receipts. People had uh, Mike Farrell had a top five list of teams that you should be scared shitless to play. Yeah. Houston was on it. Yeah. Um, I think it was Fox College Football had Houston as the group of five representative in the New Year's Six. Yes. All these people talking, oh, they won 12 games, dangerous team. I never bought into it. Oh, they beat Auburn in the bowl game and, and, and everyone was freaking out. They were the most winnable game of that stretch besides Murray State. And so one and five was not at all far-fetched to start the season. The fact that you're three and two and that you feel like you had a winnable game in Manhattan. Well, And, and, and we don't how, know what's going to happen in Stillwater. I know everybody's just chalking that up as an L. Right. We did that in 2018 as well, and you beat them by 24 or something. So you're 3-3 three and three at worst going into the bye. Then you get healthier. You get the easier part of your schedule. You have four more home games. And that's I, another big part. You get to play at four home games. I'm just not down in the dumps like some people are when you lose by nine as an eight-point dog. That's perfectly I, reasonable to me. I came out encouraged on the program because 
I mean, at 13 to nothing, just getting boat raced in the first quarter, a lot of teams uh, just lay down there. Uh, but to show the fight and to bounce back, and your defense looked really good again, except for about five plays. Well, I just, I just looked at the stats 343 rushing yards for Kansas State. Yeah. 10 per carry. Right. On its face, that's really bad. You cannot win games like that. But they had three carries, 69 and 69 each, Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez. And then whatever he got on the first play of the game, I think it was 59 or 60. So they had, let me do some quick math, 200 out of 343 yards on three carries. Yeah, and how many carries do they have total? Let's see here. 39 rushing attempts. So that's 36 carries and 140 yards. You can win doing that. Absolutely. That's where and, I, and Deuce Vaughn was a non-factor until I think one drive where or the third quarter I guess he had two big runs, uh, but you bottled him up for a long time. His first ten carries he was averaging two point nine per carry, and he's one of the best running backs in the country. So you, you, on those seventy-five yard runs, sixty-nine yard runs, you have to find a way to like look. They blocked it well. They gassed you, but you have to find a way to make that a 15 or 20 yard gain. Yeah. Instead of 69 yard gain. Well, you might, you know, think, hey, this is coming. They've done it a bunch. Yeah. And that's something I want to talk about too is slow starts, not just getting down 13 0, but like literal first, second plays of the game. Texas scored back in, to back. Texas scored in three plays. Kansas yep. State scored in two. I don't know what's going on out of the gates if, there's, if opposing offensive coordinators are seeing how we line up early in the game and just exposing it. Or if it's a fluke, but that I really don't want to start every game down seven zero with fourteen minutes left on the clock. Uh, yeah, it, that's not sustainable. And and on the road it hasn't been. At home, you've won twice with you know character program building wins, uh, getting some overtime success. But overtime wins aren't sustainable either. And that's a really thin margin you're working with already. But uh, this off the stream, I feel like the players are going to remember that giant goose egg they gave up last year to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is coming off a high of a win against Baylor. Tech has a shot in an upset. I won't write them off until the L happens. I think there's something to that. and I, I talked about um, going into the Baylor-Oklahoma State game that Baylor had a bit of a... Uh, they they had the chip going into that game. Baylor didn't. Baylor won the Big 12 last year, beating Oklahoma State. Uh, they both beat each other last year, but Baylor beat them last. And so I, I do think that was important. And if you're just looking at uh, bulletin board material, go back to the Texas game. Who had that bulletin board material? Texas Tech did. Because mm-hmm. they got hang 70 on last year. And the defense, after giving up a couple touchdowns early, was really good for the rest of the game. Um, and this week, who who has the bulletin board material? I think Texas Tech, more prime for a backup. Uh, you might see... <sighs> Hard to call this, but you might see a big Donovan game coming off of uh, that one because they did get shut out last year. And maybe Donovan has a little dog in him still, which we think. By the way, dog is not talent. Dog is heart. Just to clarify. People were like, oh, he's not a dog. He's doing anything that. No, he's, he's a dog because he responds to adversity, and he has his entire career, and he will continue to do so. A lot of people have no idea what they're talking about when they... Yeah. 
Somebody said that Spencer Sanders is a running quarterback like Adrian Martinez today. Okay. It's like, no, he can he can scramble. Yeah. But Adrian Martinez is like a little running back who is asked to throw every now and then. Yeah. Spencer Sanders is not that. I want to talk about two more things from the offensive side of the ball. I think we covered defense fairly well. I want you to talk about those things, but we are in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. And uh, we're both wearing uh, our hats from Cardinals. If you want to get a Cardinals hat or a Gambling Gauchos hat, you can go to Cardinals Sports Center in Lubbock or online, mycardinalsports.com. Go ahead, Kyle. So we're going to have to talk about the quarterback play and the quarterback position. But before we get there, because I imagine that'll be a pretty in-depth conversation, I want to talk about the strategy of running the football. I was losing my mind in the first half. Like, hey, can we at least try a handoff? I know, I know, I know, I know. The O-line is not getting a good push. You're not going to gash anybody running the football. But what you were doing up to that point was three and out, three and out, three and out. I was like, let's try something. Because I think your two best offensive players are Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick Thompson. Now, you started doing it. That's how you got back in the game when it was 13-0. Sir Roderick broke two incredible runs that set up a touchdown. Yeah, doing jump cuts in the backfield because there's doing defensive linemen in his face. All by himself. Yeah. Now, going back to the Texas game, you ran the ball basically just well enough. It wasn't sexy at all, but it kept you in front of the sticks. You kept the ball moving, made them respect the run, and I think it worked out for you. Sirotic Thompson, this blows my mind, had six carries. He was hurt with 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Really? Through the first 47 minutes, six carries. As well as he was toting the rock. How is that possible? What was his yards per carry? 9.2. If you would have told me he had six carries, I would have said I would I would have taken the over. I, I mean, it felt like twelve. How good he was doing. Taj had ten carries for thirty nine. Not sexy, but you got a couple first downs on it. You got yourself into second and six. Here, here's what I'm not understanding: Donovan Smith, who we think has potential, he makes some good throws. He makes some bad decisions. Forty eight pass attempts, and I get that you were playing from behind, but also not really. A huge section of the game, it was 13-7 to seven out to, what, 27-20? to 20. You weren't down by more than a touchdown for... No, and they didn't stretch it. it till late when you went for it on fourth down in your own territory. Right, so you could have had a balance. You put the ball in his hands 48 times through the air. Some of that by necessity, some of it not. 18 carries for Donovan. Now, some of those are sacks, some of those are scrambles. Why is Donovan toting the rock 18 times and your two best players on offense combined 16 times? especially when they have the ball. So let's combine Sir Roderick and Taj's number. 16 carries for 94 yards. That's what, five yards a pop? How many sacks were there? Let me see. Do you see that there? Yeah, I can pull it up real quick. I think there were six maybe. So sacks, yeah, they had two players with three sacks, six total. And uh, on that stat sheet is a sack of carry because they count the negative yards. Yes. Okay, so... So that's 12 carries, plus maybe a scramble or two, but still. like So on fourth and one, you run a slow-developing yeah. quarterback counter, and you get caught from the backside. Can we not go under center and fall forward for a yard? Can we hand it off to Taj Brooks, who weighs 225? I, I just don't get it. you got a player who's struggling, lack of experience, clearly has issues processing a defense, and between his pass attempts and carries, he gets the ball... 66 times. 
Taj and Roderick carry at 16. So again, I know that you're not going to go into Stillwater, hand the ball off 45 times and just, you know, run it for seven and a half yards per carry, but you have to try. Right. You, ha- you have to do it just as an exercise to make the defense guess at what you're doing. And Joey said in the post game, he said, this offense, the biggest issue with this offense is when it's second and more than 10. And I think he said we did that 16 times against North Carolina State. Versus Texas, I don't, I don't have the numbers on that, but it seemed a lot more rare. And you had a lot more drives finish with points scored or down in the red zone. You got stuffed on fourth down right. and goal. So what's the harm in just handing it to Sir Roderick and Taj? And even if it's not a good play, just taking your second and seven and moving on. Because you didn't do that hardly at all on Saturday. And I think that's why you were three and out, three and out, three and out over and over. And receivers aren't getting open. Donovan's getting sacked. Well, I mean, let's let's try something a little bit different. Because these negative plays are, are killing drives. Yeah, you talk about the Western Kentucky numbers for Zach Kitley quite a bit. And how he brought, uh, what was it, Western Kentucky up 130 points or something? 113 spots in total offense year over year. I was thinking about that today. Um, that was year one at Western Kentucky, but I would say that was year three with Zappy and those receivers. Mm-hmm. So I, I would kind of say that it was year three for that offense. Um, I think it's going to take Zach Kitley some time to figure out what it's like to run complimentary football because he is learning what Joey wants, and that's to run the ball. Um, he's not been good at it yet. I think the game plan for Texas was almost perfect, um, executed very well. I think Murray State obviously was executed well, but I don't know that the game plan needed to be perfect for that. Uh, otherwise, I, I wasn't incredibly upset with how things went down at Kansas State. There were a few times where I was baffled, but... Well, I'm going to take you look, back to one sequence in particular. Looking back at the numbers, I do agree with you. It's 20-17, to 17, so you've clawed your way back into the game at this point. Yeah. Hang on, is that right? I think, yeah, I think it's 20-17. to 17. Either way, let's... I think you were down by three. It's second and three in the red zone. You've moved the sticks multiple times to get it there. Yes. The second and three play call is a fade route, basically, at Henry Teeter in the end zone. Uh-huh. Now, maybe he could have caught it. I don't think it was like a bad play execution. I love the shot there. I don't, I, I hated I don't it. think I love the... Just run the ball. I don't get it. And now you're in third and three. Nobody's open. You throw it away and you settle for a field goal. There was no reason to put the ball in the air on second and three, in my opinion. I, I, well, let so, me... So you settle on. for a field goal, and I yeah. think that was to tie the game when you could have taken the lead, and then Kansas State responds, you come back, you miss another field goal that uh, would have given you a three-point lead. And so you miss, you would got three points and two red zone trips where you should have had at least seven had you just kept moving the sticks. Yeah, I like the second and three call. I didn't like it to teeter. Why do you like the second and three call? Why put the ball in the air? Because they're expecting a run. So what? What do you mean, so what? If they stuff it and you really need to throw it, then throw it on third and three. Okay, well, what if uh, Sparkman mosses a guy and you score it on second and three in the end zone? Uh, how often have we seen that happen this season? Well, it happened against Oklahoma in Norman How often year. did – is that why you reached that point in the drive? No, they were running the ball. I mean, I, I'm not uh, – I agree. I agree. You probably should have run the ball there, but just because the play didn't work doesn't mean it wasn't a good play. You can't dictate what you think about a play by the outcome. 
I'm not. Okay. You And I agree, or at least I understand where you're coming from, to run the ball. I didn't mind that throw. The next play I didn't like. I would have run the ball on third down. Um, but, yes. So that, that's kind of one of my takeaways is running the ball. And I know that's an oversimplification. Run the damn right. ball. Doesn't fix everything. Just like the people calling to throw it to the tight ends. To me, that's like pressing the touchdown play button. You don't just right. magically, oh, well, let's just well, throw to the tight ends and there, get 600 yards. There was also like, uh, I hope Zach Kitley's taking notes on all these games around here because people are taking deep shot. It, yeah, he knows. And I think Kitley is limited by what the team can do. You don't have a freak athlete, especially after Miles Price went down, that can just release on a slant and be open. Right. You don't have Tyreek Hill. A lot of your guys are like, why do you keep running hitches and and stops and sideline outs? That's because those are the kind of receivers you have. They're not beating anybody over the top. They're just not. People need to get that out of their heads right now. Even if they could, we can't block yeah. long enough to throw it. And Exactly. You tried once with Fungi, yes. and the right tackle got pushed into Donovan, and it was an interception. The only, time, the only times you've thrown it deep, you hit the one to White late, but the only other times you've thrown it deep in the last two games have been free plays, pretty much. Yeah, just jump balls Yeah, that were pass interference, and you happened to catch it. Which, or or by the offsides. Way, Trey Cleveland and Xavier White, two guys you just mentioned, they played great. They need more snaps going forward. There was clearly yeah. – so your two outside receivers, Jaron Bradley, Loic Fungi, had gotten the starts up to this point. Starters were Sparkman and Cleveland. Over the last two games, I think Cleveland is the best of all four that have been rotating. Yeah. He's going to start at one of those outside spots moving forward. And I think whether Price is healthy or not, if you're not going to utilize the tight ends – just play with two slot receivers. Yes, I Nehemiah Martinez and... Put Xavier White yeah. in there. Nehemiah Martinez has played well. Miles Price is a staple. Just put them both on the field at the same time. Spread them out. Get a lighter box. Because, I mean, we're just not... To me, if you're not going to utilize the tight ends and you're not going to use yeah. them to run block, then let's spread the field and get more playmakers out there. And it's... You're also spreading the box and emptying the box for the run. Because if you can't run with a full box... Maybe you can run with a light box because you have playmakers on either side. Or you have trips or quads or whatever, and you have the option to do that. Now, you and I, just avid football fans. We watch a lot of football. Um, it is really easy to do what we're doing and saying maybe this, maybe that. I do want to say this. Watching the game, I can tell that Zach Kitley is trying things that just are not successful. But he has to try those things because he trusts, right? He trusts the, the players to go make the play. They're not executing. So I think a lot of what we're talking about is execution-based. A lot of what we're talking about is maybe trying something new. And a lot of it is just playing better teams. You said it at the Open. Kansas State's an eight-point favorite. They beat you by nine. They were the better team. Um, is it more frustrating maybe that you've seen success and it was big plays and there's a, maybe a consensus that you gave that one away somehow, which I don't think you did. I think they were just better than you. I don't know. I Maybe it does make it worse. Maybe it doesn't. I, I am still very high on the future of Texas Tech, but as I said to open the show, I don't know how high I am on the rest of this season um, because a lot of what 
your position groups are good at, other position groups don't complement. Because like those four outside receivers you're talking about, they're really good at 50-50 balls. But your offensive line isn't giving Donovan enough time, and Donovan's not a great deep thrower. That's three things I'm not working together to, to be successful. Yeah. Now, they are really good at running smash routes and creating separation and catching the ball on the sideline, but you can't do that as your only play for a whole game. You're going to get jumped, and they're going to have pick sixes. Yeah, especially if you're also not going to hand the ball off. I mean, you're just taking right. a lot out of the playbook at that point. Let's talk about the quarterback position because it's a, it's a topic of interest to the fan base. I said on the preview that I thought Shuck going down with a pretty intermediate-term injury that Donovan would have the chance to play his way into just remaining a starter. He's got one game left. I don't see it happening. I think if, if Shuck yeah. was healthy this week, I think he would and should be the starter Unless Donovan really surprises me on Saturday and finds better pocket presence, pocket awareness, takes care of the ball, has some zip on some deep balls, maybe. But at this point, I think that the issues that were present, for all the potential that was present after the Houston game, the issues that were present are still there and they're exactly as bad as they were. He's the last guy to realize that the pocket is collapsing around him. A lot of negative plays. He had three turnovers on Saturday. He had three against Houston, two against NC State. Like at this point, the Texas game was the anomaly. You yeah. can't you cannot go into a game thinking, well, our quarterback have over or under two and a half turnovers today. You Not just you good. just can't do it. No. And I, I've said this, I've explained this philosophy to you. I don't know if I have on the podcast. Look, he I just went over, he had the ball in his hand sixty six times. Right. There, there's gonna be good plays, there's gonna be bad plays, there's gonna be neutral plays where you know, he just throws a five-yard hitch that anybody could throw, and it's not a big deal. His five worst plays every game are drive-killing, game-losing plays. And that's not a shot at him, but it's like – so think back. What was Adrian Martinez's worst play of the entire game on Saturday? Um, took a sack in the third quarter. Or maybe he missed a read and had to throw it away. Yeah, he had some terrible throws. Zero turnovers. <laughs> Third down, you know, if a guy uh... – uh, spilling out a wheel, and he just threw it way over his head, <laughs> like thirty yards. <laughs> how about how about Hudson Card in a, in a losing effort? What was his five worst plays? He had the interception that was an ill advised throw. Right. Besides that, probably his worst throw. Yeah. Can you think of three or four more? Just like, geez. Uh, well, he didn't get called on it, but the intentional grounding. Okay. But yeah. But you see what I'm saying? Where uh -huh. I, I could point to five plays. Where I go, okay, Leary. Probably yeah. free football. He, Pro problem free football. Yeah. Yeah, he threw for 120 yards. Made no positive impact on right, the game. Didn't lose the game. But he didn't throw a pick six. Right. And so I'm looking back to Donovan's worst plays. You go, okay, we didn't get points on this drive because he took a sack there. Uh, two pick sixes across these games that I could point to. Other turnovers in really untimely type situations. Right. And you just, even if the other 61 plays are good to great, five negative plays like that, almost no team can overcome them. And if your usage rate is lower, you might have less of those plays. So I think it's all yeah. you know, a little bit catch-22, which is what you're saying. If he didn't have to throw it 35 times, or he threw it 35 instead of 55. Right. Uh, or if he you know, wasn't getting sacked or taking sacks, because I, there's a difference between getting sacked and taking sacks. Um, 
if there was some more dump off and screen and slant kind of options for him. Uh, but again, I don't know that Donovan has the eyes to find a quick slant. And I don't yeah. know that your tackles have the ability to cut a defensive end down to not have that batted right back into his face like Mat- uh, Matumbo. And so, so I think a lot of a lot of Donovan's issues don't fit a bad offensive line. He's not Patrick Mahomes, right? Uh, and if the offensive line doesn't play any better, Tyler Shuck's not going to be good either. Well, Shuck is a better runner. I. I guess I maybe haven't seen enough of Shuck to remember this. I think he might realize when the pocket is collapsing sooner. And look, I'm not trying to pile on Donovan at all. People assume he's we a love, good... We love Donovan. People assume he's a good runner because he's big. Right. He, he's not a good runner. He's never made anyone miss. Uh, he made Overshown miss on one run. Yeah. But for a guy who's carried the ball now this season like 75 times or something, I see very little. I'm like, well, that was a good cut. That was good vision. He trucked that guy. He juked that guy. And mostly trucks. He kind of gets like two yards when you ask him to, but I've seen Shuck juke somebody for a 15, 20-yard run and score a touchdown on it. Right. It got him injured against Murray State, unfortunately. But Houston last year. Well, in Texas, he scored a touchdown. Zone read. He pulled oh, no, it. it was Houston, yeah. He broke two tackles and scored. He's, he's a better run. He's faster in a straight line. He's got more moves. And so, like, yeah, whoever lines up a quarterback behind this offensive line needs to have some escapability. I don't see the decision-making from Donovan. I don't see him put his leg in the grass and just go get four yards. I think Shuck might be better at that. I mean, I like I said, I haven't seen enough of him yet. But I, at this point, I think Donovan has probably played his way out of being the starter, and they'll go back to Shuck when they can. Well, and just to make this not a negative segment, um, when you look at Donovan, you, you really do have Donovan and Dogovan because there are five game-winning plays that he makes every game. Uh, but against NC State and Kansas State, his bottom-tier plays were much worse than his top-tier plays. Yeah, that's what, like the Houston game, it was a net yes. even. Like and, you, and you needed five of them at the end of the game. Yeah. And he had two more bad ones at the end of the game in overtime to take two straight sacks to get it to fourth and 20. But then he rolls right, finds Duran Bradley. Yeah. But, but you can't live so far on each end of the spectrum right. and expect to be consistent, which is what you need from a quarterback with a bad offensive line. You need consistency. Is it hard to do with a bad offensive line? Yes. And and to mitigate the bad, like, look, there's a bad play and there's a game losing play. Checking out of quarterback power on fourth and one, when you've got six on five and throwing a pick six instead, right. Is not a bad play. That's a game losing play. Yes. A bad play there is like, I I airmailed a slant route and it was a turnover on downs at that spot. Right. So I don't know. Or, or running the fourth and one and, s- and slipping in the backfield. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be Shuck when he's healthy. Is, is the point I'm. Yeah, making. certainly. And and you're not trying to fire Donovan. Uh, but you can't just keep throwing him out there if it's not going to improve. And if he improves against Oklahoma State, then fine. You let him roll. Um, if they beat Oklahoma State and Stillwater by 17 and he's got 78 plays and he's killing it and zero turnovers, maybe you let him have another one. But I'm close to saying regardless of what happens this weekend, Tyler Shuck will be the starter at home against West Virginia. I think so too. And I I hoped that the Texas game 
you know, but Donovan's still young in his career. He hasn't started for a full season yet. I thought, hope, hoped that Texas was him turning a corner. Yeah. And like, okay, I don't need to get it all right here because there weren't a ton of negative plays. There weren't any turnovers from Donovan. Now, he did fumble and he recovered it. But then you slip back on the road, you play Kansas State, and it's, again, the same types of mistakes from NC State and Houston. Nothing yeah. as detrimental as the pick sixes from those games. But when you turn the ball over three times, it's just not that you can't win like that in right. Big 12 play. Yeah. Um. So Tyler Shuck had a shoulder injury, not a ribs injury like Justin Herbert. But on the topic of ribs, if I wanted the best plate of ribs in West Texas, I would go out to Olton, Texas, visit our friends at Rehino Barbecue. Nice catch. Uh, sorry, watching the Packers-Patriots game here. Romeo Dobbs, I got him on my fantasy team. He's on the bench, but Me I'm, too. I'm stashing him for later. Rahino Barbecue at Rahino BBQ on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, they post some mouth-watering pictures of everything they make, whether it's a Texas Philly, ribs, sausage, brisket, you name it. I'm kind of curious if they're going to have anything cool for the holidays, like if they're going to have like a Thanksgiving type deal that you can order in advance, or t- you know, uh, they have tamales. Done the turkeys before. I'd be. I'm. I'm going to keep my eyes open for that. Yeah, we'll have to ask them. Anyway, thank you to Rahino Barbecue for their support of the Gambling Gauchos. And uh, hey, the the barbecue gospel is spreading because an Oklahoma State fan on Gauchos After Dark, I think he maybe lives in West Texas. I think so. But he referenced wanted to meet us there, getting some Rahino barbecue before the game on Saturday. So it spreads. Certainly does. See the Arizona Carolina score? It was ten ten last I saw. <sighs> it's not ten ten anymore. What is it? Twenty six to ten. How did that happen? Not sure. I was looking at my who's fantasy winning? team. Well, not uh, the good guys. Depending on who you think are good guys, uh, Arizona losing twenty six to ten. Yikes! Is Cliff? Oh no! Whoa! Okay, ESPN Fantasy is stupid. They're winning twenty six to ten. Okay. Okay, that, that makes more sense. That makes me feel better. Yeah. Is okay. Oh man, woof! Is Matt Rule getting fired? <laughs> That's what I meant uh, to say. Yeah, that seems like a matter of time. <laughs> Now, you mean future Texas Tech defensive analyst, Matt Rule? Uh, no, the Nebraska head coach, Matt Rule. I don't think a program like that's going to hire him coming <laughs> no, off they're of... not. He needs a rehab stint. Yeah, so he's going to go somewhere. I would love for him to be the defensive analyst. I, I think that would be good for, for Joey and for Matt Rule. I'd hate to see him on the sideline, but... I better, well, the red and black smock looks better than the green. <laughs> well, red and black, anything looks better than yeah. green and... They call it gold, but it's yellow. All right, so the uh, second half, uh, Zach Ertz touchdown, Matt Prater field goal, Kyler Murray run, Marquise Brown touchdown. And then up 26 to 10, Cliff went for two. Love it. To make it 28 to 10. Analytics. <laughs> Analytics. Analytics. <laughs> hey, can I say something on that? But he, he missed that, by the way. People on Twitter keep talking about the fourth down decisions. Yeah. First off, NC State. You lose, everybody hated it. Texas, you convert them, you win, everybody loves it. Right. Back to hating it. I just want to – I seriously don't know if people misunderstand this. There's no judgment going into these. It's not a gut feel. It's not a situational – well, it is situational. It's a it is math, situational because he took a field goal once. It's a math-based formula 
on what gives you a better percentage chance to win the game should you punt, kick a field goal, or go for it. And that's what I don't think people are getting. They're like questioning his judgment on right. like, well, let me sense this or feel this out. Right. He's literally looking at a book that says you have a 53% chance to win if you kick the field goal or you have a 49% chance to win if you go for it. Did you see all the, the, the Sam Kahn article on Joey Lytics this week? No. I, I saw it, but okay. I didn't read it. You should read it. Do you know who the the coaches who carries the book around and, and, and looks at the numbers? Kirk Bryant? Kirby Ennis. Oh, okay. Of Twitter fame. Kirby yeah, Ennis. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, this off the uh, the chat here. Cliff screamed, no shish at Kyler when Kyler threw a temper tantrum. <laughs> Did you see Mahomes going after B enemy? Yes. Last week? Oh, and I commented on that, and somebody was like, oh, you as a coach's son should know that happens on a football sideline. No. The best quarterback in the game and his offensive coordinator should do that in the locker room at halftime and not on the sideline. If it's the middle of the third quarter and you disagree with the call, yeah, do it on the sideline. That It's fine in the heat of the game. But they're running off the field arguing with each other. That's a little different to me. Like, wait for 30 yards fair. and get in the hallway. Yeah, that's know. fair. Especially when there's a history between those two. Though... Allegedly debunked in the offseason, there was that article. Um, do we need to talk about the officiating at all? I'm sure people will want us to. Okay, first off, before the very end of the game, which we'll get to, there was a fourth and five where your receiver, I think it was Sparkman, yeah. is wrapped up from behind with his yes. right arm being held down. And somebody who I guess is smarter than me on Twitter said that that's a legal play because the defensive back has a right to go after the ball. Right. Through a receiver after the ball, yeah. yeah. Like, there would never be any pass interference called if you could just play that card and like, oh, yeah, I tackled him, but I was going after the ball. Yeah. That's not how that rule is applied. No. That's like if there's a jump ball situation and they collide, yeah, they both have a right to go after the ball. You cannot hold a guy's arms down and tackle him a second before the ball gets there and say, oh, I was going for the ball. Yeah. That was a call that honestly... The game was more in the balance at that point than when you were down by two possessions. Needed to score, recover an onside kick, score again. Now, I still think that needs to be answered for because that was really bad officiating, but I don't think that impacted the outcome of the game as well, much as the fourth and five. Go back to the fourth and five because they score right after that in a couple plays, right? Yeah. If that converts, maybe you don't score on that drive, but you at least burn more time and get further down the field. Um, but even if you punt... They were scoring, right? Or running out the clock. You weren't going to win if you punted there. That was a surrender punt, um, in my opinion. Now, maybe you punt them down there and something happens and they muff it or whatever else, but there's just as much chance of that happening as P.I. getting called on an obvious P.I. Mm-hmm. that just gets swallowed. Speaking of swallowing, the ref should have swallowed his whistle but didn't. A whistle happened, and if it wasn't one of the officials, it was on the field or by a microphone because a whistle happened. And whatever one of those officials blew the whistle and then walked over to Joey McGuire and told him to his face that no whistle happened, they lied. Is that really what they said? There's no other explanation. What else could they have said? If they said, yeah, there was a whistle, but said they blew it we at the can't end of the do play. anything. If that's what they said, then they just are also lying. 
because it was before the play. And if they, if it, there's got to be a chain of command there. Did somebody call down for review on the catch? That's what I thought. As the play was going on, I was like, okay, there was a late whistle. They were trying yeah. to blow it dead so that they could review the play before. And that's what Ryan Leaf yes. said up in the booth. And then there was like, oh, yeah, no, no whistle. And I was like, well, if y'all weren't trying to blow it dead for the replay, then there's an inadvertent whistle in the middle of the play. Yes. And again, I don't think it impacted the outcome of the game. It, it, it affected the cover. It did. I looked at FPI. You had a 3.5% chance to win the game before that play. I don't think anybody acting on that play altered what they were doing because of the whistle. So I think you're getting picked off even if there is no whistle. Right. Well, yeah. Unless Donovan but, thought it was a free play. But the fact remains, you, you, could be, you could have been losing by 30 at that point. Big 12 refs blew a whistle mid-play and just refused to acknowledge that there was an inadvertent yeah. whistle and they didn't go by the protocol. It should have been a dead play. Yep. You redo the down. Yes. And instead they just acted like nothing happened. And, and it was like, Somebody oh, has to be accountable for that. Oh, there was an interception on that play. We can't, we can't do anything else. Yeah, BS. Like what if that was a what if that was an incomplete pass? Or what if it was a touchdown? A touchdown, yeah. And they were like, oh no, sorry, we blew the whistle. We would have been know. pissed off, but that's the rule. I'd been like, yeah, I wish they hadn't blown it dead. I wish they hadn't been late on the replay, but that's the rule. Yeah. If a whistle blows mid-play, it's done and you redo the down. You watched the Tim Donaghy NBA untold story? No. You should. I wish I had been older when that happened. I would have been a lot more interested because I was like a kid. And I was like, yeah, what is it? Like, who cares about this ref? It happened fairly recently. No, it was like 2005 or something. No. 2007. Was it? Oh, well, I guess I'm older than you. I think I was I'm like senior late middle school, point. early high school, and I didn't yeah. know about sports things. I was kind of like, eh. But if that happened today in the NFL or NBA, I think be it like, went through like it, maybe it started in seven, but went through to like eleven. Well, I think seven is like when they yeah. broke it and found it out that it had been going on for oh. a while. I'm gonna look it up. I'm just curious. I'm not I, trying to prove anybody right or wrong. Well, I'm I had just, watched. I watched it recently, but I, I because I thought it had been longer ago, so I felt it was more recent than I than I thought. But I'll just say this: I'm not accusing anyone. But if I wanted to shave points in that game. A fourth and five PI swallow and an inadvertent whistle that, oh, wait, they picked it off. Uh, we didn't blow a whistle. Is pretty damning, right? When yeah, it's a 10 point line or a nine point line and, and you're winning by 10? The inadvertent whistle basically lets or you. Or eight, nine, whatever it is. The inadvertent whistle basically gives you the best of both worlds. If Texas Tech does score a touchdown, you say, yeah. no, sorry, we blew the whistle, no play. If Kansas State Whoops. intercepts it, you just go, oh, nope, no whistle. Game over. So. It gives you cover both ways if you can enforce that rule or not, and they chose not to. Again, I'm not saying that happened. But I'm not saying it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, so it was 2007 is when the Donaghy scandal broke, huh. and they found out he had been doing it since the 2005-2006 season. Yeah, it was a quick run, too. Well, and then two full seasons. And then he was saying uh, at the end they were alluding to him not giving back or not paying back or not admitting to how much money he actually made. Because apparently they said he only bet like four or five grand a game. And this other guy was saying he was betting like 40, 50 a game. <laughs> and he's got like a really nice house right now that he's, they're like, how'd you, like, oh, I, don't know. I don't know. I need to rewatch. There was a betting scandal, I think in the nineties, with Arizona State basketball. Yeah. And this was... Is there a 30 for 30 on that? Either that or like an E60 or something. Yeah. 
But th this is before, like nowadays, it's so mainstream. Any show you pop on, they're going to have the total, the spread. Right. Back then, it was kind of like a hush hush. It was still oh, taboo. Yeah. Even five years ago, it was. Yeah. Like without Michael saying that, Hill Girl might be important for some people out there. Yeah. You didn't even like yeah. think, you're like, oh, yeah, I guess maybe the spread was about 10 right. or so. Um, but anyway, this player for Arizona State basketball was, I guess, connected to some bookies. They were point shaving. But it was like such a poorly kept secret. After a few games, all these Arizona State kids would road trip to Vegas and bet on the games. And like they would literally line up at the window, all wearing their Arizona State gear. Yeah. And like the way they got caught, the, the casino was like, why are there 50 kids in Arizona State t-shirts lined up at the betting window right now, all yeah. picking Arizona State to not cover? <laughs> so it, in today's world, it would be so much more difficult, I think. Yeah. And like they got caught because they were stupid, but who knows how long that could have gone on had they kept it quieter. So I, I don't, I think fans that don't follow sports betting that much have a very, or a much more heightened sense of paranoia about it. I'm like, you can't, like, if this was going on, it would be snuffed out. I and mean, there's so many supercomputers now that can detect strange behavior, strange betting patterns. And it would it would just go. Yeah, like, it's much more likely these dudes were just incompetent because if, you yeah. see a lot of Big Twelve refs that are incompetent. Like if the Lakers were, if the Lakers went on a stretch where they were one and seven yeah. against the spread, it would raise a little bit of, and that could just be a little trend and it'll correct itself. But if they were doing that while some guy was like placing all kinds of wagers on it, they'd be like, okay, let's yeah time out. So I, I I'm not really that concerned about the integrity of most professional sports. But like you said, if they were right. It wouldn't have looked much different. <laughs> no. I, yeah. I mean, that's two big plays at the end of a game that, again, one of them really affects the outcome and the other one really affects the total and the spread. Mm -hmm. uh, the total went over, but I don't know. So I saw somebody, I thought this was a, an interesting conversation to debate. They said that Donovan's stretch of eight starts... It's the best eight starts we've seen besides Patrick Mahomes in the last decade, like since Seth Dagey. And I responded that I would rather have Nick Shimanek right now. I think he beat Houston by 17 with Nick Shimanek. Um, No. I I do. Oh, this year? Yeah. Oh, I got you. Because he, he played Houston and right. did not beat him by 17. Well, we were up by 17. Oh, true. Until very late, and they true. scored onside, scored. Yeah. Almost got another onside. But anyway... <laughs> Agree or disagree that we should we should be content with what we've seen from Donovan because it's the best we've seen in a decade besides the greatest player who's ever played the game, Patrick Mahomes. I think Alan Bowman had high spots. Um, I don't think he ever did over eight games, though. No. He but might have barely started his, eight games total by the time he was I would have liked to see, I would have liked to see Alan Bowman with um, Cliff Kingsbury for a whole year. Yeah, that's um, fair. No, I think Nick Shimanek is was also good. I, I again, I think Donovan probably should start the rest of the game. The rest of the games, I, I mean, you're starting them already. I don't think that Shuck, not as high on Shuck as you are coming back. I think he will, but I, I don't think it's like some magic pill that the offense is just going to get incredibly more refined because Shuck's out there. Over under. By the way. Shuck less experienced than Donovan at this point. Fewer starts. He's been through more 
spring practices, more practice reps. Okay. Over or under, Shuck makes you three and a half points better than Donovan with this same compliment. Under. Okay. I think they're the same. Okay. I disagree. And again, if 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 he comes in and they're 17 points better on offense, you're playing worse defenses. <laughs> it, was Houston's defense good? Against Caleb Rogers, yes. Parrish was awesome. I, you know what I mean? No. Like I get, I get it for going on the road at NC State on the road in Manhattan. Yeah. Are we sure that Texas' defense is really good and Houston's defense is really good? Is Oklahoma State's defense really good? Texas's defense is good, not really good. It's above average. I mean, like I'm not they saying that, way, By the way, they looked way better against. I'm not West saying Virginia. Donovan has played a bunch of bad defenses, but he threw three picks against Houston, which would be is Chuck threw pick bottom six, third of the Big Twelve defense. But, what what would Donovan have done against Stephen F. Austin? I don't know. Well, you're trying to put Chuck in this year and saying he's going to beat Houston by 17. Chuck didn't beat I said Stephen Sh- F. Austin by 17. I said Shimanick would. Who, you, well, you might have said off air that uh, Chuck would have beat I Houston think, by 17. I think he would have, yeah. So why didn't he beat Stephen F. Why didn't he look great against Stephen F. Austin? Last, Last year? year? Yeah. Last year. Because the offense coordinator? Because the entire coaching staff. Oh, don't, and- don't, don't, no, don't. <laughs> Don't act like we can't pull quarterbacks from one year to the next. You just try to put Shimanek on this team. What? I'm not saying you can't pull one quarterback okay. from one year to the other. All right. Uh, do you think Donovan would have blown out Stephen F. Austin last year? I don't know, but Shuck didn't look good. Did, any, did anybody look good that game? That, that's what I'm asking you. No, that's why I don't think Shuck is like the magic pill to change this offense. I think there's too many problems elsewhere. I didn't say that. I said he made you more than three and a half points better than Donovan. Which literally I think it's a wash against NC State. If Shuck was in and took a knee on that fourth and one pick six, he makes you seven points better. Okay, Shuck threw two pick sixes last year. He did last year. <laughs> he's just not going to do it this year. I think he is probably better coached and playing for a better team this year. Uh, okay, I mean, agree, agree to disagree. I I would like for who, there, whatever quarterback plays to be successful. Is there a reason why the quarterback competition wasn't close in the spring and summer? Well, that's reportedly not close. If you listen to the coaches, it was very close. I mean, don't coaches say that about any position battle? Yeah, and again, I think Shuck will start, and I'm not going to complain about Shuck coming in. I just don't think he's better than Donovan, and that's not because I think Donovan's great. I just think the 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 mantra and the the conversation that Texas Tech has the best quarterback room in the country was way overblown before the season. I mean, you're trying to recruit to make every position better here at Texas Tech, and quarterback is one of them. Now, in the future, does Baron Morton get a shot with a better offensive line and light it up? Hopefully. I just I I don't want to hear think, it when when Shuck comes back and we beat West Virginia by seventeen. I don't want to hear that it's because it was a bad defense because West Virginia is basically Houston, and we had to survive in overtime. So if we're beating a team like that, well, we'll see how the game goes without the quarterback turning the ball over three times. We'll see how the game goes. Then, like Baylor, do they have a horrible defense that if we win that game, no, they have just a really be good, because they have a really good defense. Okay, yeah. so I, Iowa State, do they have a bad defense? Yes. They have a bad defense? Yeah. What makes you say that? Well, they're just not good overall. <laughs> no, they have a bad kicker. I'm just messing with you now. Yeah, that's that was Robble D. Gook. But I, but I don't think Iowa State is as good as the two teams you've lost to. 
I don't think so either, but I think their defense is solid. Yeah. But, but again, again, I think Shuck can go out and do exactly what Donovan's been doing and maybe a little bit better in spots. But I think he's also going to give you these bad plays too because I've seen him throw picks. I've seen him not realize something's happening. And Okay, let me ask you this. You, you took the under on, is he three and a half points better? Does he make you one point better than Donovan? Again. Is he at again, all better? I don't know why we're doing this. I think Shucks will start when he comes back, yes. Why are we doing this? Because that's like the number one topic of conversation is the quarterback position. I know, but we're really getting into it. And I've already said three times that I think Shuck will start and probably should. Is he one point better than Donovan? I don't know. We'll see. And that's why I want to see him. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess we should touch on Baron Morton because some people are calling for him to start. He's not going to get his first career start no. on the road at number seven. It's but, just not going to happen, so quit talking about it. But I would also like to see him. Uh, one but more thing. But not in Stillwater. Fans on message boards who are saying that Baron Morton must be terrible if he's not getting any action right now, so he should just transfer. Stop. Please shut the hell up. You, you've... You... you <laughs> You're not going to put a guy who played 3A high school football in first in his first major action against any of the teams you've played well, yet. You're just not going to do it. You, you're just not going to do it. That, that is like a verbatim quote. He should just transfer. Like, are well, you serious? We want the highest rated quarterback we've recruited here since Graham Harrell to just leave. A lot of quarterbacks. Are you stupid? A lot of quarterbacks don't start until you're three or four in college. And you have all the eligibility left. It's fine. Chill out. And if he, do, if, he does, if he does transfer, he does transfer, and somebody else is playing next year. But you also don't give a guy playing time just so he won't transfer. You play the best guy. And if the best guy is Shuck or Donovan or whoever else is on the roster, then it is what it is. But as much as we've kind of ragged or talked about or discussed any kind of coaching or whatever today, I'm going to defer to those guys who watch practice and are making those decisions. Now, again, if Donovan comes in against Kansas because of another injury and throws for four touchdowns, okay, it's a home game, and it's Kansas. Yeah, well, they're 5-0. Shut up. They're number 19. I don't care. Number 17 in the coaches' poll. Whatever. You just said you trust the coaches. You're going to do that a lot. I trust our coaches. You're going to do that a lot differently than – on the road at Kansas State or on the road against the seven NFL defensive pass rushers that Oklahoma State boasts in Stillwater with paddles everywhere. It's just a different it's a different atmosphere. That's why it also his first career start wasn't versus Texas or in Manhattan. It's just yeah. that's not a spot unless you can just not avoid it. It's not a spot you throw a kid in his second year into the fire. Now hey if you're four and six and you want to start him at home against OU the last game of the season? Sure. Yeah. Whatever. If you have four wins, then yeah, let, let, let's see what he's got. And, if you get to four and six, I would play him the last two games. I probably would too. Because at yeah. that point, you're just playing for next year, anyways. I just I don't know why fans think that. Because they're fans, well, they, they, I've never, they want to talk. I've never said there's a magic pill that makes everything better. I've acknowledged that you have issues on the offensive line, all this. Yeah. And, I don't, and, and I don't think Chuck reasons, comes in and makes everything better. Sure. But also, Baron Morton isn't going to do that. Right. And I think really highly of Baron likely. Morton. Yeah. I, just, I don't know why people are like, oh, well, if that's not working, why don't we put in a guy who's never played before with zero experience, and that'll fix it. Somebody, no, it won't. Somebody texted me today, um, is Baron Morton going to start in Stillwater? I said, no. I said, does Baron Morton play left tackle? 
Yeah. Like he plays tight end sometimes. Like there's <laughs> what Baron Morton provides at quarterback right now today is a first start isn't going to be markedly better than anyone else playing quarterback for Texas Tech this year. Right. Now, does he have a higher ceiling? Maybe. I think he certainly has a higher ceiling than uh, a lot of quarterbacks we've seen. I think he has the highest ceiling. Just recruiting-wise, he does. Since we've had in a long, long time. Yeah. And, and the clips we've seen. Like, he, the arm talent is yeah. there. He's the, he's the highest-rated quarterback since uh, Graham Harrell and maybe even higher than Graham Harrell. Who who compared him to Mahomes in the offseason? Kitley. In a... It was Kitley's voice. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, did you already know that? You were just setting me no, up. No, no, I, yeah. I couldn't remember if that was a. I think a, it was Kitley. a writer or no, no, coach. No. Or it was a it was a video package where he was like, you know, the arm talent is Mahomes esque. That's that's pretty crazy. High praise. Yeah. And and they know that, and in the building they know that, but there's a reason you don't bring the first round pickup uh, to the majors without letting them see double and triple A. Yeah, it's also kind of like in the NFL. If you draft the future number one overall and you have a horrible offensive line, you don't put him out there game one. Like, let him learn for a year. You try to shore up the offensive line in free right. agency. Did draft, Patrick Mahomes play year one? Draft a guy in the second round. Because you don't want to put a franchise quarterback back there to get his bell rung every five dropbacks. Yeah, that's why they didn't put Kellen Mond in. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, anyway, that, that's, that's all I have sometimes on Sometimes you just need a little protection. You know who else pro- provides protection? If you can't pay your employees. <laughs> Diversified lenders. Okay, is that who sponsors the mailbag? Are we going to do the Discord mailbag? Yeah, let's do it. If you want to join the Patreon slash Discord, hit us up on patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. We've got a whole host of interviews that are behind a paywall there. I think y'all will really enjoy those. Adding to it soon, I think. There's a bit of a hint earlier in the show when we were talking about the Cardinals-Panthers game. Maybe we'll do that during the bye week when there's a little less action. Um, also access to the number one Texas Tech fan Discord server, at least that I know of. I'm going to keep claiming that until somebody shows us they have a Discord with more Tech fans in it. Have a lot of fun in there. It's $5 a month. Proceeds go to the Matador Club. Oh, it's it's October. We're due for another $100 donation to the Matador Club. So we'll get, out, we'll get that out this week, and we'd love to have you all join our Patreon community. And gives you the opportunity to submit questions on the mailbag, which we will get to presently. To the mailbag. Trying to go back. Uh, it was pretty hot today. Trying to go back to... We've been getting questions all week. Um, let's see. Oh, this from, from last... Do you want to answer the one from last week that you answered in the Discord about uh, some, some conversation we had online last week? Or do you just want to put that to bed? What was the... What was it about? If you had regrets engaging in some discourse last week online, oh, slightly. I just wish that. I wish that a lot of the post-game activities wouldn't have distracted from the outcome of the game, and that that goes for some of our Twitter engagement. That goes for the student pushing the player. Like if that video never comes out, right? None of that discourse ever starts. Now we we apologize for making an error on Twitter. That was my error. I'm not going to say we because you didn't. We're, we're in it together, man. Yeah. Obviously, there was a video that surfaced briefly. I think it is gone now that looked like a Texas player shoved the crap out of this girl, which obviously had that happened, not okay. And then it came out that he was knocked into her, that he apologized. It was an accident. 
So we removed any time that we shared the video, apologized, put out the full context and facts in case the video did surface elsewhere. But yeah, all that getting in the mud, like on Monday, you still want to be kind of like coming off the high of the win on Saturday, but right. nobody was even talking about a thrilling win over a rival potentially on their last trip to Lubbock. So I just wish it hadn't gone that way. Is Donovan on a short leash this week if he turns the ball over a couple of times early versus Oklahoma State? I think if you have no chance to win the game, they might get Baron Morton some reps. But I think while you're in the game, he's going to keep And it's a much different playing. conversation to put a guy in in the third quarter once he's seen the atmosphere rather than just putting him in there after the kickoff yeah. with those paddles and everything. Look, if it's 27-3 to three halfway through the third quarter, then Yeah, sure. if you haven't scored for the second straight or the third straight half against Oklahoma State, yeah, maybe you're trying yeah. down. Especially if you do, if you are confident that Shuck is coming back two weeks later after the bye, right? Then you say, let's just get Barron some action. We're not going to win this game anyway. That I think is the only way you see him really. Are you watching Kitley mature as a play caller and taking his lumps? Question mark. And then there's some qualifications here. Uh, we all love the hire and know he's the right choice. However, three years at Houston Baptist. And one at a G five with the same quarterback isn't as this isn't as if he was facing the highest level of competition. Yes and no. I get what they're getting at, but I also think some of the conversation around Kitley is borderline condescending. Like I saw somebody just refer to him as our thirty one year old offensive coordinator. Why did you mention his age? Because he's young. He must be an idiot who doesn't know what he's doing. Right. He's obviously a smart guy. Multiple Power 5 programs wanted to hire him. And yeah, he's not as experienced yet. Maybe he's a much more comfortable play caller five years from now. But this like, oh, well, he's just a little toddler out there trying to do an adult's job is like a little bit demeaning. I see the athletes that these guys are recruiting um, offensively. And I think everything is more open with a, you know, a 10-10 track speed receiver that you just don't really have on campus right now we've been spoiled for a long time as tech fans with plug and play wide receivers uh, it's a harsh fact that we don't have dudes to win 50 50 and can't make separation right now is that what's making life harder on donovan uh i'll take this one and i'll let you finish it up a lot of things are making life hard on donovan i do think you have guys that win 50 50 balls i think you have a couple of guys really really good at it uh, really, all four of those outside receivers do that. Um, Donovan has trouble keeping his eyes downfield, A, because that's just something he's working on. Uh, he didn't play quarterback until a senior of high school and then has played it, what, eight games? And then the offensive line. I mean, I mean, you can't just create separation and throw it downfield if you have two and a half seconds to figure it, figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely not turn down a Kiki QT or Eric Ezukama or <laughs> yeah. Bradley Marquez or, uh, or any of those Dozy guys. Ezukama. Yeah. But, yeah, you still cannot block he consistently enough to throw a post route 45 yards down the field. Um, incoming rant. I'm going to try to – I'm going to try to sum this one up. Uh, and we appreciate the question here. Uh, I'm going to read the first question here because he, he figures it out the rest of the way, and I think we've talked about a lot of what he wanted to talk about. Um, am I alone in wanting the quarterback schemed runs and screens out of the offense? 
Yeah. Uh, well, no, because we talked about uh, eliminating a bunch of that. Yeah. Or at least the scheme. Oh, you're saying. not alone. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot how he worded it. No, I, I, don't, I don't see any reason why Donovan Smith should tote the rock as many times as Sir Roderick and Taj combined. If you want to run the ball, hand the ball off. Fine with a few, to keep them honest, and I'm fine with some read option type plays, but no. Hand the ball off. you got two studs back there. Some uh, good discourse after that question. I'll let that remain in the Discord. Hey, is that why they named it that? Um, y'all going live today? Yes, we are. We are live. You can find it on patreon.com slash gamble couches. Um, all right. That's the whole mailbag that is in the mailbag channel. Uh, do, you have, do you have any other mailbags you want to get to? I, a lot of people were asking me questions after the weekend. Uh, what's the game plan look like in Stillwater? Um, what, what, who's starting? Uh, can the offensive line do anything to fix what they're doing? Yeah, we'll talk about that all that on Wednesday. I, and I don't know. I just don't know. Like at some point, it's just a talent issue. So we'll find out fair. because yeah. a, a lot of people improve and a lot of people can improve through a season, but. A lot of your issues just is what it is, baby. And you're going to have to play worse teams to win. I will say Oklahoma State is obviously a great team. But the last two weeks, you've played the two best running backs that you're going to face all season. You faced a quarterback unlike you'll face the rest of the season. I'm not saying he's better. But you're not going to face anybody that can just run downhill on you like that. Yeah. This this offense is a better matchup for Texas Tech's defense. You have a good pass rush. Look, you yeah. got to Adrian Martinez a couple times, and other times you made him throw on the run or could have, would have, should have had a sack and didn't quite finish the play. I don't think Spencer Sanders and his career has shown that he's just fantastic dealing with pressure. I would love to see Tyree Wilson get all over him, and I think that's a real strength of this team. would love to see you finish some of those plays in the backfield instead of letting Adrian Martinez escape and find a receiver downfield for a first down or tuck it and run himself, which Spencer Sanders can certainly do. But anyway, all that to say, there's no more Bijan, there's no more Deuce Vaughn on the schedule. There's no quarterback that can run like Adrian Martinez. So maybe some of the offenses you'll face the rest of the way are a little bit better matchups for you, even if they're also good in their own right. I think this one, I think it starts this week. I think your defense is much better equipped to stop Spencer Sanders and what they do. Uh, they're not good on offense. They're, okay, well, let me rephrase that. They do enough on offense. Their calling card is the defense. Uh, I mean, they scored 30-ish on uh, 35 on, on Baylor. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that a lot of that was just them doing whatever they wanted. Seven was on special teams, too. Yeah. And and there were some penalties on third down and and some situations there that I just I don't know I they're fine. It's like Spencer Sanders has never been one guy that you're like oh man difference maker. Now week to week maybe quarter to quarter yeah, he he can be he can be, uh, but consistently he's just not. All right, let's run through some opening lines and then wrap it up. Oh yeah, I forgot the opening lines. Yeah, you got them. I got them. Yeah. You yeah. got them. You you've already got them. Well, I mean, I could find them real quick because you told oh, them out. Well, you said you had them. Well, you're getting your phone out. I, I got it right here. All right. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. We'll start there. We were just talking about Oklahoma State. Minus 11, total 68.5. I dead on, I think. 
I think it will move to closer to 13 and a half when it finishes. I was surprised FPI gives you almost a one in four, like in between one and four, one and five chance to win. Maybe some of those analytics models aren't as high on Oklahoma State. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough road environment. What does that work to line wise if it was 25%? Usually about a touchdown. Okay. So with that juice, maybe you, you would have thought between seven and 10. Yeah. And then maybe at home, you My get gut on Gauchos After Dark was 13 and a half. So I, I thought, yeah, somewhere between that, like 10 and a half and 14, which I guess is basically what it is. Just kind of the twilight zone there when it's 11 or 12. Farmageddon, Iowa State hosting Kansas State. This is a pick em, total 48 and a half. I think this will trend one way. I'd probably pick Iowa State if it stays out of pick em. It will trend toward Kansas State. I think people will bet on Kansas State and the money will flow that way. I think it might close two and a half, minus two and a half Kansas State. I think Iowa State is good after a loss. Coming yeah. off two losses in a row, they're at home. It's a big game for them. Well, they played Kansas well. Feels like the a juggernaut. Get, get back on track type game. How much do Kansas State fans love that they got jumped in the AP poll by Kansas? I'm not a fan of one game sample sizes. I see all that discourse. People are like, don't lose to Tulane. They played five games. One of them was a yeah. win in Norman. Right. Like, I'm just not a fan of everything boiling down to one game versus Tulane. Like, look at the five-game resume. Their best win is better than your best win. Their second best win is probably better than your best win. Yeah, Texas like, Tech is better point, than anybody Kansas has played. Look at Kansas's wins. Houston, they suck. Yep. Um, West Virginia. Yep, Duke sucks. Uh, somebody was like, Duke just beat Virginia by 21. They're good. Okay. Everybody in the ACC Virginia. is bad besides Everyone. Clemson and North Carolina State. Maybe North Carolina is okay. Syracuse is 5-0. and oh. You're saying Wake Forest is bad? Oh, no. Yeah, no, they're good. They're good. The Red River Rivalry Showdown Shootout. Texas, the home team in Dallas. Texas minus five. I like Texas. I think a lot of people counted them out. I still think they're pretty good. I think they're, they were flying to the ball against West Virginia. They were not into the game against Texas Tech. They were... They looked really good against West Virginia. And I, is West Virginia that bad? Yes. But I, I think there's something to Texas bouncing back and having a pretty good run here. I mean, look at Pitt. Pitt was ranked in the top 25 and struggled at home with West Virginia. Texas boat well, raced them. Ranked. Yeah, I'm just pre-season. saying. Like, nobody thinks Pitt is a horrible team. Right. They were roughly equal with West Virginia. I said on Gauchos After Dark, I wouldn't count out Texas to make the Big 12 championship game. Me neither. I think they might. I think they'll... Are they going to be favored in every game moving forward? Do they play, do they play Oklahoma State in Austin? Uh, uh, that's something we can go through Wednesday, maybe. Yeah. Talk to the rest of the games. I, I could totally see them finishing 7-2 and two in conference play. And if one of those losses is to Tech, yeah. I don't think Tech is going to be a factor, so they'd probably win a tiebreaker over another 7-2 and two team. Final one, Kansas hosting TCU. A couple of undefeateds here. 5-0 and versus 4-0. This is in Lawrence game day. Total 59.5. Minus 5 for Kansas. For TCU. Minus 5 for TCU. 
locking in TCU under a touchdown. I love that. I think it'll move that way too. I am. Look, I don't think Kansas is bad. That's a great storyline. But the seven games they're about to play are probably against better teams than the first five that they played. And that matters. Agreed. Um, I was going to go back and look because there were some lines out last week. One more thing. Uh-huh. I'd have to check the Houston final score, but let's let's throw that one out. All their wins against FBS opponents by one possession or in overtime. West Virginia overtime, three points against a bad Iowa State team at home, and then Duke by eight at home. Man, that Iowa State kicker. True freshman. They, they should have gone for it. Yes. Maybe go, not on the last one, but certainly the go get one, one yard. Previous, yeah. I mean, if you can't get one yard, thirty seconds left doesn't matter. Um. Yeah. So Oklahoma was minus two to open, probably in the preseason. So it's plus six already on the book consensus. Um. And then Texas Tech down to ten and a half consensus. Interesting. Which I don't I don't know that everyone has already come out with those books. Right. And Circa has some right. strange opening lines sometimes. So that though they were right on the everyone was complaining they were ten points over on the over for Texas Tech, Texas, and they nailed it. They were sharp on it, really. Yeah. Uh and then Kansas State, Iowa State already minus two. Kansas State. Okay, cool. That's c- consensus though, so that's just more books coming out. I got some final thoughts before you ask me for final thoughts. All right, final thoughts? We talk about a lot of things going on in the Big 12, uh-huh. regardless of what happens in the Texas Tech game. just want people to understand that. This is a Texas Tech plus Big 12 podcast. It's a Big 12 podcast. It says so in our bio. Like if, if, it, if there's a crazy finish in the Baylor versus TCU game, yeah. we might have a thought on it. Uh-huh. So, sorry, I guess. Is that mostly tech fans? Do people being, not know? Being mad after a game? I don't know, I guess. Because there's so, a so like, why are you talking were... crap about OU? We're about to lose. I'm like, well, I didn't say we were going to beat OU or that we weren't going to lose to TCU. I'm just saying oh, that oh my gosh. they celebrated their coach leaving or tried to make people think that they were yeah. glad that happened. And yeah. their new guy is obviously not an upgrade. No. And so I feel like I'm allowed to comment on that, whether Texas Tech is on a bye week or loses to Kansas State or beats Kansas State. Some Twitter accounts out there are just like raw raw fan pages and that's not what this is right you and i have analysis thoughts comments on everything going on in the big 12 and we're going to be positive and negative when we feel see fit to we'll, we'll be, be honest. positive or negative yeah like i'm not gonna I'm not gonna piss on you and tell you that it's raining but having said that a couple things people so people could benefit from this a lot of the same people who complain about why are you that's not texas tech why are you talking about it don't know what Farmageddon is, apparently. You should know what your conference mates, like who their coaches are and who their rivals are. Iowa State versus Kansas State is a cool little rivalry. It's nicknamed Farmageddon for those who didn't know. Right. We'll probably be mentioning it this week. A couple times, I'm sure. To that end, I think Texas Tech-Oklahoma State is going to be a primary rivalry game for both schools in the new Big 12. We need your help coming up with a name for that rivalry game. So we're going to pulse the people this week, maybe on Monday or Tuesday. We'll do it Monday because Tuesday is job approval Tuesday, and I think that's going to get pretty lit. Well, are we going to pulse from the Rob Bro show or from? Oh, we can do it from the Gauchos. Okay. So right now, I think we've got Red Dirt Rivalry, the Dust Bowl, 
and the Red Dirt Duel as kind of the three front runners. Yeah. And I'm going to leave a fourth option for replies. I think we're going to go bracket style. Like if there's, unless somebody wins a full out majority, if there's a plurality, we're going to narrow it down. And I would pick four. And because if you give the option to do the reply, it'll just get chaos. Only if there's a good one. Also, you can't do shootout, like it or not. You, it's not going to be the shootout. No. You, you could just put four answers and then say if you want to reply something and if you get a bunch of replies. Well, I don't have a good fourth one. Those are the only three that are... Oh, we'll come up with a good fourth one. No, we'll let the people come up with a fourth one. The people are going to decide this. We'll ask tonight, fourth one. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> you can't... I'm telling you, I've done a lot of polls. You can't ask for replies. Sure you can. It it's, devol- it, it's good engagement. It, devol- it devolves into chaos. That's okay. We thrive on chaos. Ah. Uh, you thrive on chaos. All right, I don't have any final thoughts, so. No, that that's mine. Um, we're going to keep talking about the Big 12 and uh, help us come up with a rivalry name for Tech versus Oklahoma State. Love you all.